0: rugby podcast Northampton away edition and the end of the season edition as well but let's get to the game I'm Rob Murphy Alan Deegan Lindley McKenzie and William Davis are our guests this week Good evening Rob Lily Welcome along Evening Rob Alan welcome along describe where are we?
1: Well this is (laughs) post-match and we're in a beautiful church restaurant in Northampton it's fabulous a converted old church that's been converted into a beautiful restaurant and uh, it's gorgeous
0: Okay let's get straight to the game in-game coverage take you back only briefly don't worry here we go for a pass from Malander. his first pass is poor it bounces along the ground but they're having to keep it alive Connacht are caught out one pass back inside and Northampton have scored the try I think it's well I correct myself I think it's Ben Bowden who got in in the end we confirmed that in a second Connacht absolutely filleted in the first couple of seconds
1: yeah yeah, some super play from Northampton they're winning all the contacts every time there was any sort of contact Northampton won it they let the ball bounce but recovered it um, George North made great yards took, took took three or four men out of it which gave them numbers and then it looked, it looked like a possible knock on I thought in, in mid air I thought like when Tiernan went up for the ball their guy knocked it on Um I don't know who was up. Who was up with him? Like I couldn't see.
0: Yeah, it was it was Ben Foden who picked it up, to Itavaki, then got it and popped it back inside. Or was it Tuala, the fullback who had it? I think it was Tuala, the fullback who popped it back to Harry Mallinder, 20 years of age, storming under-20 World Cup, and he's just started this game uh, in tremendous fashion. Well, one bad pass and then a try. <laughs> what a huge disappointment for you know Pat Lam and his team and everything about it to get injuries early on is is one thing and they've got to, to regroup now and organise to concede a try as well it's just all adding it up and Keen Kelleher who I think, he, I think he injured himself chasing back he did very well to stop a certain try in the lead up to that but it couldn't, couldn't do anything after that
1: no no it looks as though he's, he's got a thigh strain he's got a big bandage on his leg as he came in he just pointed to the guys as he sat down but it looks like his thigh is gone
0: and if Connick were to do the unthinkable and uh not the unthinkable but certainly the unlikely at the moment and win this game he he could be a serious doubt for next week but I don't think they'll be too worried about who's a doubt for next week right now they want to get back in this game Jake Heenan from the back of the line out which was one well lovely kick through Nia Adiolokan charging after wins the ball goes again goes towards the line reaches out Connick think they've scored oh that's a super move from Connick Carty involved as well Adiolokan has he scored a try in his return from injury we think he has
1: Oh, brilliant piece of work from um, uh, Ronaldson. Ronaldson, had a beautiful little dink through the middle there because they were charging up like every other team has been doing to us for the last five or six weeks especially. They came charging up at full speed. Beautiful little dink in. Adi looking brilliantly to, to, to catch it. I think he slid over the line. I think he's going to be okay.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a double movement because he wasn't held. Oh, wait, we want to make an impact now. Big scrum for Northampton. We're set and we're ready. Groom is holding the ball near to show the referee I'm ready to go give me the signal, he's done that, steady scrum from Connick defensively, now it goes down let's see what goes there, decides, he says the ball's playable, and on we go, Malander, there's a nice looping run from Tuala, Connick read it but didn't bring him down initially there's the front football, they're only 5 metres from the line, they're over, they scored massive moment in the game it's a two score lead for Northampton Nick Groom, the scrum half is the man who's got it 18-10
2: 20 phases plus Connor kept it going and now's the opportunity but they've got to seize this they've got to use this you don't get chances like this in a game very often it's right a line they've got to get a good line out and they've got to know exactly what they want to do from the line out Heffernan to throw
0: in the movement of the line out Delane wins it Connick get the mall going they stay on their feet only just about but they do so the mall is moving towards the line now Northampton slow it down on it goes if Connor can spin off to the right they could get a try Northampton holding it up Connor keep driving they go down to ground have they got the touchdown Drive for Connacht! What a response! 18-15, they're right back in this. Nearly there. The fans are on edge here from both sets of supporters. Here's Conor Carey, he goes into contact. This could be the last play of the season for Connacht, or they could set up a game against Stan Francaise next week. That would be spectacular if they cut it off. Cardi's tackled behind the game line. Northampton trying to drive over the top. Connacht trying to secure possession. Northampton still driving over the top of the ball. How is that not a penalty? the ball is there but the referee says it's unplayable and blows the full time whistle Connacht will dispute that right to the bitter end but it doesn't matter Northampton
1: have won yeah in all that Connacht they needed to look to a few more phases the ball got slowed down a little bit too much and they just didn't look as though they were actually going to make a break there um, you know that, that game was there for Connacht to win but again skill set near the end didn't wasn't quite enough um, but uh, two games this season came within six points and three points of of having a a brilliant season
0: I just want to describe the scene and then bring you both in as the Connacht team walk over to what must be about 250 Connacht fans, maybe more, maybe 300 all gathered on the far side led by John Muldoon and Pat Lamb uh, who were embraced there a couple of seconds ago and a huge reception for the Connacht players for a big performance today, they've lost 21-15, they are out of the Champions Cup for next season, they'll be in the Challenge Cup on the new head coaching team a whole new coaching team all round but uh, Pat Lam and his troops getting a massive reception for everything Connacht have done over the last four years under Lamb and for what they've done in, in this game in particular maybe to restore a bit of pride because the last couple of weeks hard to take for supporters and players alike to see the team losing to Scarlets heavily and then Munster this is much better
1: oh yeah this is you know it's, it's, it's a sad way to finish the season it's a sad way for, for Pat to finish but um, you know the reality is you know this is this is rugby a uh, professional level you have to win your games um, Pat couldn't have done any more for Connacht I don't think um, it's, it's a, been a tough wait for this season to go with so many of the coaches leaving normally we struggle to, to hold on to players and um, we've held on to nearly all our players this year and, and but we've unfortunately lost our coaching most of our coaching team so um, it's all starting again fresh for next season
2: yeah, absolutely. It's a nice moment there. Um, yeah, it's look, it's 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 quite emotional because if you've been a Connacht fan as long as I have, Palam came and he brought something special. He brought us to a special place this weekend last year. We were beating Glasgow in a semi-final. Then we won the, went and won the final. But sport doesn't always end the way you want it to. It doesn't always pan out for what you hope for. Um, next season will be hugely interesting. Uh, a lot, of, obviously, a lot of these players staying and. That's going to be a big opportunity for them to bring something different they gave it a good goal today um, they had a bit of more belief and that maybe that's all you can ask for they'll analyze the game in their heads i don't know if they'll sit down and do video on this one but they'll they'll think we could have done done this done that but at the end of the day Northampton are through great reception for the uh, Connick team by the Northampton fans on this side of the pitch as well. When the game finished, this is a proper uh, rugby club and a proper rugby ground, and it's been a really enjoyable day. And let's look forward to next year.
0: All right, Pat. We're just wondering, and we were discussing in the commentary that was much more like the conic that we know. As, there's got to be some consolation in that? Anyways, this lads are really fronted up to
3: that. Yeah, I said that before the game. I said, look. Um, we could have any game plan we like. I mean, the the, the, the game when we lost by 50 points, uh, Adelaide's 30 by Scarlet's at home. They were nowhere near our best. We knew that, but it had nothing to do with game plan. It had to do with attitude and. Uh, and so I said, you know, we we all week we we highlighted clips that were quite embarrassing for guys, and but it's a decision, and that's one thing that we've always prided ourselves as Connacht when I lose we'll, we'll front, and um, I you know take my hat out to the boys. They did that today, you know, they they worked hard off the ball, and that's what we're uh, that's what we're um is our is our go to all the time. Um, unfortunately, you know, the discipline cost us, uh, little errors cost us um but yeah very proud of the effort
0: uh, mental strength was really important because that early try on top of what you're talking about in the previous weeks could have really seen heads drop but a great response in the ideolo can just back from injury gets yeah
3: back. yeah it was and we we highlighted the the, the kick through uh, during the week um obviously they put the winger uh, George North comes into the line was so space and behind there and Craig executed well and easy you know took the chance well um but um you know we we probably um yeah, even with the ball we probably didn't have enough um, time on the ball and, and accuracy on the ball at times too so uh, the game was just at the tempo we just wanted it at a faster tempo really and uh, you know it's fair play to, to, to Saints
0: how are you going to reconcile then the, the missed opportunity that was out there because those last six or eight minutes even though Northampton had turned the tide Connacht had the chance to win it with that kick to the corner and maybe the line out as well.
3: Yeah I know We, we but that's that's the game of rugby you know you uh, have your chances we go back and we've had many during the year that opportunities to win games and uh, you know with the last two games we had no no chance of winning because we weren't right mentally but it's just been the story of the season really um, and um, we, we again we just take the learnings We and it, I said to the guys there it's their responsibility, you know, Karen, Karen will come in next year and he'll do a good job but only if the boys front up attitude wise every week and uh, never drop to that standard again and uh, um, and that's the responsibility of uh, the guys uh, that'll be here right. um, but um, you know, ultimately, you know, Connick's good enough to play in the Champions Cup and, and that'll always be the frustrating thing not as frustrating as us just, you know we had our best Champions Cup season and you know, beating Walsh and Toulouse and um, but not making that is the one that, that hurts the most this year. You know, if we'd got, got to that playoff, that would have been a massive achievement, and I still see that, uh, that last five minutes in my head. You know, it wasn't an easy decision to leave, but it's four years, I look back, um, you know, I had a wonderful, uh, my community where I live, and, uh, and they put on a, a really nice farewell party, you know, people, um, there's some rugby people, but a lot of community people, and it just highlighted how many people that we met, we came not really knowing anybody. Um, yeah, we arrived here, and Connacht was without a doubt the fourth province, had the least budget, and had the least international players. I leave here, none of that's changed, but a lot has changed. You know, I think in four years, I'm not sure if Leinster won it the first year we we're here, but that, out of the four provinces, it's the last and Leinster that have only won trophies. Um, uh, hopefully, Munster can get the job done and and get one as well. Um, we've had more players, quite a few players, play for Ireland. Um the the participation in in you know uh right around the West of Ireland's growing with the rugby and but I think the one thing I, I really am, am and you know big highlight for me is the connection of the four counties, SLIGO LECHO Common Mayor Gorway, the support there. They just highlight we're not a goway team, we're a West of Ireland team and everywhere I went people young and old, people who went rugby people that have got right behind this team and it's and a credit to the uh the way the boys have played and the way the community's got behind us. Well we'll have a we'll now come in on Monday. he will do a sign off there. Um but the players uh, obviously is a big group that's not here. And we'll do a sign off there and then then uh, they'll be then I'll be just tidying up loose ends and then uh have to be a pre season training uh uh June the eight, June the eighteenth. We've got a coaches meeting and then uh, management meeting June 19th. So I have John Muldoon's wedding I've got to go to. I have uh, a, only a week in Italy and then back into it. So uh, obviously Bristol's been, you know, they've, they've got a good break because they finished a few weeks ago. Um, so it'll be a lot of loose ends just to tidy up. On that form, Pat, do you fancy your old club's chances on Friday night against Dad? Um Yeah, of course, it's a home game. Any, any, to- any game here, I think uh, it's, a, it's a final um, and uh, there's quite the thing is there's quality players, you've got Lions, you've got internationals, there's some good players that can make things happen. There's no doubt Stard are on a bit of a high um, and a dangerous team, um, but it'll, it'll be a good final, it'll be a good final. What's it like coming back here? Is it okay? Yeah, it's always, it's always uh, a lot of memories. It's another amount of players is so much picture up there and said, geez, you put on a bit of weight there, <laughs> <laughs> uh, since those days. Um, so there's a lot of memories, uh, there's a lot of memories around the place, and, and of course the people, a lot of the people, you know, always say welcome home, welcome back, and um, we we had a great time here, and no, that's the beauty, I mean, i have be very blessed with rugby, you know, to you know, obviously live, You know, come over a first time, live in Newcastle, great people there, Northampton, and then you know, the go to the West of Ireland has just been uh, uh, just been tremendous. You know, it's uh, some lifelong friends. And, um, you know, Northampton and Newcastle people have come over to the West of Ireland when we're there. And now there's no doubt the West of Ireland people will visit me in Bristol. we will always be welcome.
0: Back here in the restaurant, Alan picks our restaurants and away games. And in fairness, he does a good job of that, William.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. Superb restaurant. Yeah.
0: He does good on that job We talk about his other Less successful attempts In other work But he, overall He's had a great season He's just feeling bad About dropping a knock on Towards the end of the campaign
1: Yeah Total another cock up Tell All us later. my fault All my fault I'll completely go with it But we're in a nice restaurant So I'm not going to talk about it now
0: Nope Covering up Covering up well Okay And we're out We're done That's it Season's over
2: Yep se- Season is over uh, Better effort today might have had a chance probably. they played a bit better, a bit smarter, they might have won that one. This would have set up last next Friday in Galway, but it didn't happen. Um, funny sort of a game, really. It was hard to know what Northampton were doing. The home, for the home side, you'd expect expect more from them. They sort of they sort of dog paddled their way through it. It was kind of they never really they, they scored a try very early, and I think that was the worst thing that probably could have happened to them. Um, but they just did enough. Some of their big players stood up. Second half, George North did a couple of things. Louis Pickham did a couple of things and that was just enough to get them over the line we made some errors here and there but we did play well at times two fine tries and overall maybe it's a very typical end of the season it was good but it wasn't good enough
0: Yeah, it just always felt too hard to believe from my perspective and I think all of our perspective that after what we've seen the last five weeks that Connacht could suddenly turn it on now they kind of did Lindley and it kind of backs up Pat Lamb's theory that they could do that but at the same time ultimately what we felt was that still wouldn't probably be
4: enough and it wasn't well it it, it was close I think the most positive thing is the fact that you know Connacht went down fighting and you know they didn't bow down they you know it was was a game to be honest that was you know really one score in it. it there wasn't much in it at all um, and what I, what I find fascinating about that in some ways is that if you look and, and it comes sort of comes back to proving Pat Lamb's theory about it's not about individuals, it's about teamwork so there, is
0: our food? we're going to just pause and I'm going to have to remember that you were talking about individuals and teamwork and we'll bring it up after we eat our main course in the meantime William, you're talking to Jerry Siggins
2: Yeah, I've known Ger for 25 years, played cricket against him, captained teams where he was the captain against me on Sunday afternoon fun cricket. Um, Sports editor of the Sunday Tribune, then became editor of the Sunday Tribune, writes extensively on cricket, cricket history. But he was down at Courch a few weeks ago, and he was talking about his uh, rugby books for uh, children, younger people, girls and boys, and... um, He gave me a nice interview, good insight into the books. I'm sure many people have come across them, but if you have sons and daughters or nephews and nieces and you're looking for sensible presents, get them off their tablets and their phones and stuff and give them a book. Uh, They're doing really, really well, and um, he's a very good guy to talk to.
0: There it is, William and Charles Dickens.
5: Well I started with Rugby Spirit that was the first one and I had previously written a history of Lansdowne Road and while I was doing that I came across one story about a man called Brian Hanrahan and it's not a very well known story it doesn't get mentioned in any of the histories of Irish rugby but Brian Hanrahan is the only person ever to die playing rugby in Lansdowne Road and I thought the story was fantastic really interesting story really interesting man his brother played for Ireland and it was a sad story too and because of that because that he'd, he'd almost been forgotten if you like um, by, by rugby I decided I'd like to write about him and I wrote a chapter in that book and then when I came to write my children's book story I needed a ghost who lived in Lansdowne Road and I just thought Brian was the man for it so it's, it, it's, it's based on a, on, a, on a real person
2: and in each of the books, do you try to bring a sort of a real character into them? Is,
5: is that is that part of the, the storyline? It is. I mean, they're, they're, they're sports books and they're, they're children's school books, but they're also, there's a bit of mystery and a bit of a bit of the supernatural involved. And each of my books, I introduce a new ghost, but he's a rugby playing ghost. So in the second book, I bring in Dave Gallagher, the, the all black from Donegal, their famous captain who was killed in the First World War, and Kevin Barry, the... The Irish rebel who they sang songs about in school. Um, he was he scored a famous try for Belvedere College in in Lansdowne Road to uh, to win a school junior cup. Uh, the third, the fourth book was about William um, Prince Obolensky the, the English guy who scored two famous tries against the All Blacks. Uh, and the fifth book is about I'm trying to remember now. Oh, the the fifth book is about uh, William Webb the uh, the man who some people say invented rugby. Uh, I'm not quite convinced about myself, but uh, the other thing about Webb Ellis I only discovered when I was when I was uh, researching the book, researching him, was that he spent two years as a as a as a very young child in Nina, and my books the 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 outside Dublin part of my books are, is actually based on Nina, so that was a that was a nice shiver up the spine when I discovered that.
2: And. I haven't read any of them but I've been looking and when I'm around I see them in houses and I hear stories all the time from from people saying to me it's the only book they've ever been able to get they usually their sons I'd have to say to to actually read have you been a bit surprised
5: by how much that has uh, crossed over in, into their success yeah very much so I I know myself from having my like, two two young lads who when they got to seven or eight or nine just gave up reading books and because there weren't enough books for them unless you're interested in magic and fantasy and that sort of stuff uh you, you just don't want to read anymore or certainly then they're using their energy for other things so uh, partly partly there was a bit of motivation to to get kids to read with with these books and um, i've had a couple of fantastic um stories people, parents getting in touch and i was up and talking to a rugby club in Enniskill and uh about a month ago when a, a woman came up to me and she was in tears. She actually said, this book means so much to our family because it was the first book her son ever read. And I just thought that was fantastic. It was such a kick to hear that sort of thing. And to be able to make a small difference in somebody's life is, is brilliant. It really is. Now, all,
2: all these books dear, are uh, set in Ireland, but I think some of them have been translated as well.
5: Well, yeah, they have. The, the, the first book in the series is... Um, Came out in Welsh this year. It was, it's called de Rigby*. Um, I'm sure that pronunciation is, is way off the mark, um, but the, yeah, the, the the publisher is is a small Welsh publisher who has not he hasn't quite directly translated them. He's adapted them, but he's taken my stories and has found a a, a Welsh ghost. And uh, but he's copied pretty much everything. The cover is my cover is of, of a silhouette inside the. Inside the Aviva Stadium, whereas his is a silhouette inside the the Millennium Stadium, but he's bought the rights to the first four books in the series, and and I presume if they if they go well, he'll he'll take the last two as well. And could you see a television or a film tie-in, or uh, that that's always the dream. Uh, I think that would be something that that would be fantastic. But unfortunately, that sort of thing's out of my hands. I, I have a good publisher, O'Brien Press, who uh, who. You know, they make sure the book gets at every shop in Ireland and, and I, I, I've been around the Galway shops uh, this afternoon, signing them all in Charlie Burns and, and DuBray and Eason's making sure they all got signed copies um, but O'Brien are, are pretty good at hustling the rights uh, uh, so maybe they'll get a TV station or a, a film producer interested but I'm not holding my breath I'm afraid and you
2: have an event tomorrow now in, in schools. How, how does that operate? What What's that all about?
5: Well, I've been quite a frequent visitor to, to Galway, in particular for for um, school visits and library visits. Uh, the library the libraries service down here is, is very active, particularly around Children's Book Week in October. And I've been down here twice on on tours around Galway. Uh, I think I did 16 the last time I was down, uh, 16 libraries. And... It, You go into a school. You read a little bit of your books. You tell them the stories, the stories behind the books. You tell them about Brian and Kevin Barry and Dave Gallagher and these people, and uh, you you try and give them a bit of inspiration about about writing books for themselves, other books they might want to read. And uh, the kids are usually fascinated to to uh, to see to see an author, I suppose, and they ask lots and lots of questions. And uh, I really enjoy them. I wouldn't do them if I didn't. Um, And like I said, I. I am down to do three with with the Court Labs part of the of the Court Festival that's on this week.
2: And do, do you think it works particularly well with rugby, or, or can you see a crossover to other sports, or it, it, does, does does rugby have a sort of a historical basis that you can you can base these on?
5: Well, rugby is obviously quite an interesting uh, history, and uh, I, I do have a. I do have a passion for history both generally speaking and also sports history and you know reading the researching and writing the history of Lansdowne Road gave me a a greater insight into into Irish rugby history Um, but I think I think most sports most sports worth their name will have a Will have a, a sense of its own, its own heritage, its own culture. I mean, I know cricket's another great sport that I follow. That's got kind of a fantastic. Everybody who follows cricket knows all about WG Grace. In America, everybody who knows about baseball knows all about Babe Ruth and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle. Um, I think rugby is another sport where we all know about Jack Kyle and we all know about the great players way back in the in the eighteen nineties and and the nineteen twenties. Um, there are other sports that are less. Um, reverent, I suppose, of their, of their history. But I think rugby certainly has a, has a handle on it and, it's, and is respectful of it.
2: And do you think that reverence and, and interest comes from the fact that, that people talk a lot about what happened in the past? And I'm linking that to, is there a danger now that we move into a very instantaneous digital age, that things will be forgotten about a lot easier, that if you take away verbal history you can finish up that uh, you finish up with no history
5: That's a very interesting point and it hasn't really occurred to me to be honest Uh, I know what you mean about sports sports fans you know you get get three sports fans together on a Sunday night around the pub table Within within five minutes, all they're talking about is the team from 1973, or you know who scored the winning goal in the cup final in '86, or who scored that great try against Scotland. I mean, that's the way sports fans think. They they look back, they're nostalgic people because sport was always much better when you were growing up, wasn't it?
2: Just the future of sports journalism. Uh, we've been chatting a little bit prior to 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 to, to start in this interview um, with everything that's that's changing now is it becoming harder to actually produce rounded sports journalism because so much of it now is just instantaneous opinion and you actually there's, a, there's sometimes people don't want to dig down and, and actually get into it in, in great depth
5: yeah I suppose I'm a bit of an old fart in that respect myself these days I I was a sports editor in the Sunday Tribune 25 years ago so I, I've been around a while and I understood the way the media worked in the past and and. Part of that was that you 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 weren't your you weren't your Spurs before you got a chance to make things like opinions. You had to go out there and learn about sport and learn about talking to about sport and writing about sport before you were ever allowed to have an opinion. And whereas nowadays everybody's got an opinion, everybody can can tweet what they think on Twitter, um, and they can write what they want on their blogs or their websites, and that's that's fine in its own way. But I, I, in terms of uh, justifying. Your, your, your views um, uh, good luck to you but I'm, 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 I'm always quite nervous about that sort of thing I think I'd like to, I, I certainly wouldn't give any credence to people who's who I hadn't read any other of their work if you know what I mean so, so you you feel is that
2: because it's just is that the instantaneous nature that people are almost feel under pressure to have a, a, a rather than a to have a view rather than have a view or a descriptive narrative it's, a, it's all about giving an opinion
5: yeah, it does. It seems to be all all about opinions these days, and and I've I've got a bit more interest in in, in other sides of sport. I, I don't really read opinion columns very much anymore. I'm much more interested in reading uh, analysis and and uh, descriptive stuff. Uh, I think that's where where sports journalism counts. That's where the quality can be. Like I said, anybody can have an opinion. Um, it's in a shame. It's a shame in a way, but. Um, the bigger names in sports, writing our sports journalism now are you know people like like Joe Brodie or Eamon Dunphy who are you know they're brilliant sports people, but they're not journalists. They're just there because they make they make uh, louder and louder um, use of their of their of their opinions, and that's that seems to be the way it's going.
0: End of season. Williams interrupting me. Anyways, that was the voice of Ger Siggins Lindley, when we were talking earlier, before we got our main course, you were making a point, about to make a point, about Pat Lamb who speaks about individuals and teamwork. Maybe you can follow on that train of thought.
4: I think what it came down to is, if you put the two teams on paper, then obviously Connacht were going to be the losers. And I think what Pat Lamb has tried to emphasize over the last four years is that yes, he doesn't have a team of individual Lions, internationals, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, stars, rock stars. But when you play as a team and you play with heart and you play with energy, then you can you can win games. And I think the point about today was that despite the fact that they were up against a team which I, I think didn't play particularly well. Uh, they play more as individuals, uh, more than as a team themselves, which is the reason probably why they haven't been that successful this season, despite all the names that they have. But Connett reverted to playing, one, with their traditional never-say-die attitude. And when you have a team of individuals with the spirit that they have, yes, OK, some of uh, you know the, the clinical finishing and wasn't there but I thought that the energy that they played with and the desire was obviously evident and none more so I think than than Dave Heffernan who I thought was absolutely outstanding every time you know he played with the ball and you could see it in their faces that they were playing as a team together really really wanting to win and I think that the point about it is is that it took this game to do it because they were almost on their knees, having had a, such a bad season. It's a pity that it hasn't happened; it hadn't happened earlier in the season. But it has been a, a very disappointing season. But I think what it comes down to this match is that they could finish the season against a team of theoretical rock stars who weren't that good. But it took some individual performances from Northampton to win, whereas Connacht did play as a team, and with that traditional fighting spirit, and I think that's what we expect from Connacht um, we have probably come to expect more but at least we got that back, and there was only a score in it, and one score and Connacht could have won Just wondering, Alan,
0: you mentioned during the commentary that this was as good as Connacht have played since the Ulster game, which really kind of struck me because that was like way back in October but you do feel that, you feel you know, in, in one sense, there was elements of it. I, I guess I could throw a few other games at you since then. Maybe the Wasps away game at, for a while. There was like, some Cardiff good side. Cardiff. 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 And, and the Toulouse game. I don't know where that came in the secrets, but it was interesting that you said that because you just felt, God, you haven't seen this in ages.
1: Yeah, there was there was a confidence in their ability. Like I, I, I stood and got very close to their warm up because you can actually stand really close to the pitch. And I saw so I stood. There's a particular part of the warm up they do where they fling passes, they just throw passes really really quickly, no luck passes and they counted up to 30 full speed, no luck passes and not one drop, not one even a hint of being dropped Just, just, and there was an intensity about their, their warm up that I haven't seen for a while and it, it fed into the game and they just played with a confidence, they were throwing the ball around and they, they were unlucky a couple of times I think that shower killed them I think that, 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 that ball isn't quite so slippy um, I think we, we, you know, we have a better chance of winning that game
4: Look, at the end of the day, it really shouldn't have come down to this match. That's... Mm, right. <laughs> it, it shouldn't have come down to this match. And, and there's various many reasons for it. And, you know, if you look at the start of the season they had... Um, if you look at Pat Lamb's news that he was leaving obviously it has to have an effect and it has had an effect on players and then if you come down to this match you're looking at minute details which do have an effect you're looking at the injuries they've had you're looking at uh, Owen Griffin being selected for this match and only finding out the day before, that he's not eligible to play. Yeah. I mean, you know, which is, opens up all sorts of other questions yeah, about, We're going to have to talk about that. But uh, yeah. get on that
0: now. Well, because it was an element in the build-up, and Linny, I'll let you back in, because I know we all have different views. Myself and yourself, William, go, first and foremost, I think we acknowledge that, from an EPCR point of view, it's ridiculous that you can't re-register players late in the campaign for what is effectively a new competition. It's meant to be about next year's competition. So to start with let's stick with that that's just that that should have been something better organised I know these playoffs are done and dusted hopefully forever uh, but certainly for next season anyways and we can talk about that separately but it was a bit crazy really wasn't it Conny couldn't register certain players they wanted it.
2: Uh I agree with that but in a yeah. professional sports organisation you have to know what the criteria are now it's possible that there was no way of finding out that I, I don't know that but can you... I just clarify
0: ok so we got this for the listeners who may not know this we got this situation two elements here. one connect raging as the 42 reported, that I reported that they weren't able to re-register players late in the campaign for a playoff that they never knew they were going to be and told that they needed to register these players back in January I feel that's crazy
4: I, I don't think it was actually about re-registering I think it was about naming a team they named a team and they submitted the team to find out that Owen Griffin wasn't eligible because he had been deregistered in January because he had been injured at that time. Now, that was a totally different competition. That was... Yeah, that conference. But I think as a result, EPC came back and said he's not eligible because he's not registered. But you were registering a player for a totally different competition. Five months later... Did did EPCS send out notification to say for the playoffs you can re-register players? It's five months later, yep. you know. It's it's a long time later, and so the the question is, who, I mean. Yes, there's an element of there's an element of should Connor be responsible for finding out that before they named a team. I don't think it actually crossed their mind. Okay, and well I just wanna
0: sort of let William argue that point out first of all, because just wanted to clarify
4: what people mightn't
0: realise is Connick said, look, we trained all week with Owen Griffin in there and we named him. So they were saying this is a huge disruption to us. And you're saying that's not all EPC yours fault in your opinion. Mightn't be
2: anyway. No, because this is what you have to get right. Now that, that's just where it boils down to. The same situation could have happened to Northampton. Somebody knew in EPCR that this was the regulation. Okay. Should they have communicated it? Yes. I'm. A, but we don't know. It's, it's a mess. I will say he could have got injured, Owen Griffin could have got injured in the warm-up. Yeah. So then you have things to... These anyway. things happen anyway. Yeah. But it is disruptive. It is annoying. But... It's just somewhere where maybe the I's weren't dotted and the T's weren't crossed. And that just... It's just difficult. But professional sport is like that. Sometimes the rules and the regulations turn around and bite you on the bum. Yeah, but, but the rules and regulations are for the, the current competition. On
1: the pitch today, on the side end, behind the goals, it highlighted... Bilbao 2018 that means it's next year's competition yeah,
0: obviously it's next year's competition there's so four teams trying to qualify
1: Rules from a previous year to the, to, to the next year there
0: should That's have been, there should have been in, in all, uh, if I can extrapolate then in your po- point of view there should have been an email sent out two weeks ago to all teams saying absolutely. welcome to the new season folks absolutely. please register 35 players yes. as, as if you were starting out in the campaign yeah,
1: I agree absolutely it has to be like that but,
0: but I'm with William as well I can't believe I'm able to agree with both sides I agree 100% with you But I also agree, William, that the simple reality is someone somewhere should have realised that we're switching to a new competition what do we need to know and like I don't want to be too critical Connick because EPCR are far more culpable here but at the same time if I was part of Connick Rugby right now I'd be having an in-house critical assessment and I'd actually be criticising ourselves as well saying lads maybe we can do more because I don't think we should enter in any game without fully aware of the rules of the competition I think yes
4: I think I I totally agree I I, I do think EPCR are culpable I think it's a totally different competition I don't think anyone thought they thought of it more of as a qualification from the Pro 12 as opposed to the EPCR, uh, who, are, who are running the competition, I think it's. I think it's incumbent on the EPCR to send out for these playoffs because if they are in charge of them, then they should be sending out notifications and information regarding it. So I think they are culpable. I also, uh, I, I, just, I just feel that with the a number of injuries that Connett had, it, it probably and the, and the pressure that's on. Connaughton at these times of the season that yes they didn't think about it but I've listened to a lot of press conferences with Pat Lamb and I've also learned something, I've learned a lot of things from Pat Lamb but one of the things he's always, always said is about the learnings, yeah. take away the learnings from the mistakes, every game he says, so in this particular case I would suggest that one of the learnings from today was in fact the fact when you when you go into a competition like that Connors have now learnt Let's let's check. Let's yes, let's check to see about the qualification rules again. Because I I I mean, I can understand why they wouldn't have even thought twice about, in many ways, about the qualification. No, because he's been playing for the Pro 12, and this, I mean, he is a Pro 12 player, and so I, I can totally understand it. So, you know, going forward, you know, it's, it's another it's another learning it's another lesson that they can learn from. Okay, we park it there I think we've all covered that well final section of the podcast but not the
0: final podcast of the season William we've decided we're not going to like wrap this season in this podcast it's too soon too raw and we've got some other little bits and bobs and surprises and interviews and all sorts of stuff to come in the next couple of weeks so stick with us on that
2: yeah we've got some good stuff coming up not going to give too much away but uh, stay tuned folks it'll be good
0: Yeah, and I want to thank everyone who's been involved this season which we'll do at the end of the season as well because we want to be careful we don't want to miss anyone Kieran, Kieran in Paris though just liked one of our tweets when we said we were out having a meal and I remember myself yourself all the crew Kieran McNamara and Aubrey Burke having a great old meal where was that? What game was that? Toulouse?
2: That was in Toulouse, yeah that was a good night we had some good nights. We're going to it thank a, a long lot of people. Night it was a late night. It was an early morning, <laughs>
0: uh,
2: but it was a it was a good night. Uh,
0: a great season from from the point of view of following the team, and I think maybe that segues nicely onto how we'll finish this podcast which is I thought it was a lovely moment with the fans I thought the, you know sometimes and this is a bit critical but sometimes I feel in rugby the lap of honour just happens no matter what anymore and sometimes teams get hammered and there's a lap of honour and it just never feels right and I, I understand the genuine authenticity in what they're trying to do but tonight it felt right it felt like the team deserved the applause from the crowd and the crowd deserved the applause from the team yeah, that's comic fans
2: yeah club. absolutely I, I, was, we were doing it live on the stream on Galway Bay I found it quite emotional actually I had to just concentrate on what I was saying because they're a dedicated bunch you know these fans and when you put the binoculars on them because my eyesight's not that good and I couldn't see that far uh, (laughs) across the other side of the pitch it's the same a lot of the same faces you see yeah. same people but they haven't just been coming last year or the year before they are coming there for years and it was also good to see some people never seen before
0: yeah yeah and, and those faces that group of the same faces is growing after last year so much there's about 250 of the absolute diehards there today and if you told me Lindy you know 10 years ago that I'd be numbering the conic diehards at 2.50 when let's be honest Ronan Byrne was there tonight he was one of about 15 to 20 diehards back in 2003 2004
4: oh yeah and in addition to him you might have a, a few people who lived in who actually were based in Wales or Cardiff who would come <laughs> along to a Connor match you know I I, I think that the support the supporters cannot be underestimated. Yeah. You know, you know. If you learn anything from building a club up, it's that yes, you have your professionals and you have your organisation, and and you cannot have that without supporters. And the whole point about a club is to build, <laughs> is to build an entity whereby you accommodate all of those people, and you cannot have it without the supporters. And I think the supporters coming here today, you know, demonstrates the growth that Conat have enjoyed over the last four seasons. And I think everything should be done to keep them and encourage them. And and make them, uh, you know, continue to be a real part of this organization. Because you don't, I know that as a professional, it's very difficult. As a professional player, you, you you play rugby because you're paid to do it, and because you love the game, and because you know you have an attitude of professionalism towards it, and it's a job. But just remember that you know those same players are not going to exist if they can't get numbers through the gate and people to support them so you know, it, it is it's like everything. it's it, you know, it's it's not just one or the other. It's it's, it's a combination of, of everything that is so important. And I have no issue with the players going out to thank those supporters for coming over here. Absolutely none. Some of those supporters have gone through thick and thin to see them. They've gone to Krasnysk and, and, and Siberia and I have to mention that of course uh, 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 just for Williams' sake. Oh, God. Lord, God. But they, but they have and you, you can't underestimate <laughs> and I think the players cannot underestimate those same supporters no, and as I well. Really and no, and I, and I don't think they do. And I and I have seen so many of the players, particularly John Muldoon, no matter where he is, you know, taking time out to spend with them. And I think that's very important that going forward that those same players recognise. And I think that was one thing that Pat Lamb has achieved. Another thing, Another thing I should say, not just one thing, another thing that Pat Lamb has achieved. And it, and it came back when I did an interview with, with John Muldoon. And he was talking about the occasions when Pat Lamb arrived and they were sitting on a bus going to some backwater places that he regarded at the time in in Connaught, and he didn't really understand, it was like oh god what are we doing out here and then a few weeks later he met some of those people in the sports ground and it kind of dawned on him well actually yes, now I, I do know why Pat Lamb has has taken us to meet these players, to introduce us to these players. Did you
0: note he mentioned the counties again today? Yes. He said four counties, but then he named them all perfectly, so he just got his numbers mixed up for a sec. And I, and like I, he buried I, himself in the whole concept of Leitrim, Sligo, Roscombe. And, I think, and I
4: think if there is a legacy that he's left, that that is one of the... Biggest legacy yes. is has he left. He is the only person who has taken Connacht outside of the sports ground and Galway City and a properly, few other yeah. properly and said we are not just a Galway City based team. We are five counties and an entire province and I think it's been huge.
1: Yeah, I think it was tried before, but I don't think it was tried. You want with,
4: to do it properly.
2: Yeah, with enough passion. I don't think it was it was put in with real passion. I think it takes an outsider to do that properly and that's and, and a New Zealander <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. yeah. All right. I'm in good like form I'll let that go <laughs> <laughs> he likes
0: to <laughs> wine
2: uh, but I think it does and I think it's a huge legacy okay. and I think it's a huge legacy for sport in Connacht and it's not just rugby I think it's across other sports Great. because we have a little bit of a mentality sometimes west of the Shannon we fight for recognition both on the field and in the media and there's a sort of a it is often Galway centric and I understand about look I want Mayo to win the all ireland just as much as you do Rob
4: <laughs> <laughs> but
2: we can we can put that one to bed we really do do you
0: know what I actually believe him <laughs>
2: but I think that it, he, he did he did go out and it, it wasn't. He wa- Actually, he wasn't spreading the word about... I think some people at the start started, he's, he's trying to spread the word about rugby. But I think it was slightly different to that. It was to looking for an... In-
0: because he was saying, look, he believes... Pat will say this. I think I can put words in his mouth for him. He believes that rugby is about community and culture. And then he realised that Connacht was about community and culture. So there's, I think the whole point was, hey guys, this sport, it's not only... It's perfect for you because it's about what you're about.
2: Yeah, and probably maybe I can see that very strongly because my late father was a Welshman so and rugby in Wales is very much about that you go into the smallest villages and towns in Wales and the rugby club is the focal point of the whole place it's where everything happens
0: yeah and he loves that about the GA in Connacht right? so yeah and, and I think he's, he, he looked, at a bit, looked at what the GA had and he said well Mayo are all about this Roscoven, Sligo, and Leech we need to bring this into what we are about
2: yeah and it, it's you know They've got a clubhouse, so you can have birthday parties and 21sts and Meals on Wheels cook the dinners there for the elderly and whatever it is. That's what happened in Wales, and I think that's what he understood. And because he was from outside, he was able to come into it, look at it, and spread the word. And he's done a huge job for Connacht Rugby. I meet people all the time now, out and about, and they want to talk to me about rugby, and they want to talk about what Connacht did but they also Pat Lamb they're fascinated by this character because he came from nowhere really we knew he was coming we had some understanding he played for Northampton I mean it was great today when he walked up the steps to to behind us to the Connacht uh, analysis area where the coaches sit it was a standing ovation there was people standing up Northampton fans giving him a round of applause because he was a big name here and I want to wish him well in, in in Bristol. I think that's an interesting challenge. But I think it cannot be underestimated what he did with Connacht. But it also means that next season is going to be, and we aren't wrapping up the season here, but it will be a really interesting challenge. The professionals, all sport moves on. Players retire, coaches move. You have good seasons and bad seasons.
0: Commentators last forever.
2: Well, indeed. And cra- craggy rugby people last forever until <laughs> till they're... Uh, Until they, they don't. Till they're carried out <laughs> on their shield. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, look, it's it's been a rock and roll ride. It's been really, really interesting. It's a pity it ended the way it did today. But going over to the fans and... Shaking
0: every hand. Yes. Of every fan.
2: Yeah, and... Which, which brings me back,
0: if I can jump in, it brings me back to the post-game, or the post-celebrations at the sports ground when the close to whatever, 15,000 estimated kit turned out. But Pat Lamb stood and signed every single last autograph, Took I suppose for every picture, until he literally walked from the far end of the pitch, where the stage was, back down to the other end, with the last fan he had signed an autograph for, having a long conversation with them, which I don't think I'll ever see the likes of again, Alan, and I think that's the kind of character he was.
1: Yeah, like he's, he's just a huge personality who who... who brought that personality and showed everybody in kind Connacht of like that rugby isn't just the game of a small number of people, that it's for everybody. And like, as I mentioned before, the podcast, I was out in, out in the disco out in Mount Belyudar at, uh, at a 21st and there was two lads out on, on the Saturday night wearing their Connacht tops, which is just incredible.
0: Knock Airport today, selling yeah. Connacht jerseys and Connacht scarves and right beside the Mayo stuff and like that would have been unheard of a few years ago and it's, it's even now to this day people remember conic team coming home and coming into Knock Airport and what that meant to the people of Mayo, never mind the people outside the outside of well, Galway.
1: Yeah, I think it's the people of Connacht. I think that's yeah. that's the big thing is that you know it isn't you know Connacht was always seen as a Galway centric team and it was only about you know the senior clubs and it was only what they did and what they got out of it. Whereas now it's it's about everybody and which is the way it should be.
0: Okay, we've lost twenty one fifteen. We have another big podcast next week we have some special stuff to announce as well during the week in terms of extra stuff that's going to finish the season. I want to say good luck to you if you want to do a quick final talk but I don't think that we should finish this with any other business because there was only one bit of business there and it was to acknowledge Pat Lamb and those closing stages of the podcast but William, final thoughts? Do you want to say goodbye? Uh, um, We're going you a lift back to the train station now because you've skipped your train. Back to the London Underground.
2: Yes, uh, it's absolutely wonderful to have a designated driver <laughs> and uh, after the day he's had um, I think he's uh, going to enjoy it. Found us a lovely restaurant and, uh, yeah, it's uh, off to Lords tomorrow night to watch two days' good county cricket. Um,
0: yeah, we got your update from the cricket last week. It was 90 seconds of a cork popping and you guys saying something. <laughs>
2: um, is
0: that all you can manage in all the day? Like, <laughs>
2: well, it was quite late in the day when we did that, actually, <laughs> so it was, a, it was a rather wonderful day. Um, look, it, it's been... Look, this time last year, this the weekend, we'd beaten Glasgow, we were going to Edinburgh. Edinburgh was the greatest week in my life Agreed. as a sports fan.
0: Yeah, best sporting and week that's, ever,
2: that yeah. And that is never to be forgotten. So, sport isn't all about success and winning. Sometimes you have to suck it up. This has been a little bit like that for Connacht, but a new adventure starts in September, and uh, I say bring it on. I'd also like to... Um uh, thank uh,
1: another coach that's leaving us this year who's, who's Conor McPhillips who's been here an awful long time was a cracking player for Connacht in his day and, and you know brought a lot to the coaching side of things as well that's it I think that's it for me and I'm, I am the designated driver and I deserve to be after forgetting a hugely important piece of equipment for the radio today but anyway
0: and um, we survived and did a good commentary despite of it don't worry about
4: it yeah I'm, look, we are going to do another wrap up but you know First of all, I have to say I, I am naturally upset that we didn't win today and that we don't have another match and we're not going to achieve our Champions Cup aim. And that's 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 the story. That it is. But yes, you do have. Once that's done, now you do have to look ahead to the future. When you talk about Conor McPhillips, um, I have to say Conor has been. a a great a really great friend and a help to me since not just since he was playing but since he moved into management and there has been many a time I have been sitting in with broke with cables that don't work and Wi-Fi that don't work and telephones that don't work and Connor has always been my go-to man and Connor has always always helped me and gave me so much advice and I would have been lost without Connor McPhil- McPhillips on so many occasions i think he has what i like about Conor is he's come from player to analyst and now he's moving he's moved into assistant coaching and so he's going through the process you know to learn and i think he's going to he's learned a lot and i think he's going to learn a lot by going to bristol and just remember when I was talking to Connor recently, Connor said he would love to come back to Connor. Oh, because yeah. I think that is that is despite the fact that he's a Dublin he's a Dubliner, he his heart is in Connor So from my point of view, Connor is a smart guy and I wish him all the best and I certainly hope that he will come back to Connor one day.
2: Connor McPhillips story. It's halftime in Krasnorsk. It's about minus 17 and getting colder. My phone is dying. I'm dying. And we're down to 3% battery. And I need some power. And there's no power anywhere in the media area. Everything's failed. And the one man who has power is Connor McPhillips. And he says, come down, sit here. He sorts out my phone. He nearly has a... Stroke when I try to plug it in straight away, so I have to heat the phone up with a hand warmer and a glove. We plug in, and we get the second half done. And if it hadn't been for him, I would have disappeared, and you guys would have been left in your studio watching your feed with your air conditioning and your heated seats. Yeah, it, was,
0: it, was good, it was a good one, two degrees outside in night clouds. It was cold.
2: Yeah, it wasn't cold in the Galway Bay studio. But Conor McPhillips, he solved the problem and that's kind of the way he approaches things and I think Bristol great opportunity for him and he'd be welcome back at Connacht any time
0: alright that's it for this week's podcast join us next week do not give it up do not uh, miss out on what's to come because it's going to be some great stuff all the fans who travelled fair play to you heroes one and all to the team they certainly did us proud thanks guys